welcome to season four of the Room 2250 podcast. My name is Charlie. I'm currently completing the second year of a computer science specialist at U of T. I like to make music. I like to collect art and uh, hopefully you'll get to know a bit more about me over the course of the season. I'm going to pass it off to one of my co-hosts, Chris. So my guys, my name's Chris. I'm in my fourth year uh, doing a double major in stats and physics. Uh, hobbies include working out, cooking, and reading uh, about data science. I'll pass it off to Vlad. Hello, guys. My name is uh, Vladimir, and I am majoring in cognitive science with a double minor in computer science and mathematics. And some of my hobbies include streaming on Twitch and going outside for a walk because I know we all need it. Uh, I'm super excited to get started on this. Okay, awesome. Yeah, we got a really cool season plan. We're going to talk about a ton of cool stuff. This episode is really just to get to know us. We're going to talk about a few things that are in the news and some things that are just interesting to us. And uh, I guess we can start with the news section. It's really only a few things and they kind of pertain to tech. We might kind of drop in a few things that aren't so techy. But uh, for today, one of the things I wanted to talk about was the QAnon Shaman. Do you guys know who that is? Mm, I've heard about it, but I haven't looked into who? it. The QAnon Shaman. Okay, so everyone knows about the Capitol getting raided and uh, some colorful characters showing up from the right wing. One of them you probably saw was this guy with horns and like a pelt on his back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I've seen pictures on Insta- all over Instagram about it. The, like, Did he have a Viking or something? A Viking? Uh, yeah, he had like a, a Viking helmet on or something. And I swear this is going to connect back to tech. It's all going to wrap around. Uh, We just have a bit of a departure first. So this guy, uh, his name is Jacob Chansley. And he says, or rather his lawyer says, that he would like to testify against Trump in the impeachment trial. This guy that raided the Capitol on Trump's behalf now wants to testify against him. And so the big question is, of course, why? And and, And testify what? He just wants to say, essentially, that... Trump incited this insurrection and that uh, he ought to be found guilty. Now, the article I found about this didn't put forward a ton of reasons as to why he wants to testify, Mm -hmm. but they did say he felt betrayed by his uh, lack of a pardon offer from Trump before he left office. And on top of that, he is in the process of reforming his QAnon beliefs. Allegedly, he is like a practicing shaman, like that's his lifestyle or uh, his religious persuasion. Right. I'm not too sure about the whole shamanism thing, but this guy says he is in the process of reforming his QAnon beliefs. And uh, this is something we're probably going to see a lot of in the next couple months. All these people who had these crazy ideas about Biden not getting into office and Trump riding out the last hour to save their wacky idea of an election are going to have to come to terms with the fact that their beliefs are now wrong. And so the connection to tech is really the Facebook aspect of, uh, of the whole QAnon thing. And really, I guess, all the companies that were uh, in the social dilemma the uh, the documentary on Netflix. And that's something that we're actually going to talk a lot about this season is all these companies that are influencing our mind through targeted advertisements and trying to develop better and better models of how we behave, all to just keep us addicted to their platform. And so with this in the news, we're obviously going to be talking about it a lot, and that is ethics in tech, specifically ethics in software development. So, I mean, we all know what's going on with Facebook right now. It's honestly a bit of a dumpster fire 
You have WhatsApp basically losing all its security, uh, QAnon and the Proud Boys all over the Facebook app. They're really the biggest company that's being blamed for the division that's going on right now in the States and to a lesser degree, Canada as well. And so maybe you guys can give me your thoughts on that. Just Facebook in tech and uh, what's happening with politics and software development right now. I think that Facebook in the news is nothing new. I think that Facebook just has has a tough time like learning from their mistakes uh, because at the end of the day, it's all about monetary gains that I see for them and they will do whatever it takes to see most benefit. And I, I think that being said, though, I think that like these big tech social media companies, like I'm, I'm, I was thinking more along the lines of Twitter and seeing like all the controversy around Twitter over the past few days or past few weeks, which we will get into, uh, hopefully. Um, but I, I see that all these companies just try and brush off all of these issues like they don't matter, like like they're 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 almost irrelevant um unless like if if they're in the public eye but if if the company themselves are in the public eye then it's not an issue yeah i think we're going to continue to see facebook in the news there's always going to be some issue with the algorithm and there's going to be a bunch of public outcry and then it's just kind of get covered up with something that doesn't really fix the problem it just mildly improves Facebook's PR. So recently they stated that they're going to stop recommending political groups to people. That's just not going to be part of their recommendation system anymore. Now, I don't spend a ton of time on the Facebook app because as a member of Gen Z, none of us do. And I think we're probably going to see a similar abandonment with Instagram. I think in a couple years, it's going to be a place for like right-wing extremists and your mom but as young people in computer science i think it's our duty to be more ethical than the generation of computer scientists and software developers that came before us those being the people that really founded these these big tech companies that founded modern day silicon valley so i mean i'll uh, i'll pass it off to chris now yeah i think you raised a really good topic um like you know i think when these social media platforms first originated like they never had the idea of creating separation or creating divide into the into society you know i think like one of their main goals especially when it comes to facebook was actually to connect people right so yeah you hear the ceos say it all the it, time it, like we never thought we'd have to deal with these issues exactly and you know so like to put the blame on and i get it like yeah it's creating some pretty chaotic situations right now but if you just take a moment to stand back and see like kind of the good which a lot of the social media has done for society. I think it's like it broadens the outlook on on hope, you know, like, yeah, it's like it looks pretty dark right now in terms of like what policies they're going to implement and like, you know, how governments are going to react. But I think if um, if we just give them a little bit more time to um, make the right decisions, you know, I think there is light at the end of the tunnel for this situation, um, especially now that we know that Trump is out of the office. So there won't be, um, you know, the, so it's crazy news articles always bombarding you know the system yeah i mean i don't think social media as a concept is inherently bad i think the implementation of it today is is deeply flawed mm -hmm. and maybe people will point at the algorithm in like the general sense yeah. as a failure of ai just based on this application of it that really sucks like i think people are going to have a really negative view of ai because it's going to have this connotation of being associated with targeted advertisements. And I think we definitely need some sort of legislation that controls 
how these massive tech companies are allowed to apply this technology because it's a lot of power to be wielding. But we as people and as consumers need to be aware of these problems when dealing with companies like Facebook. And we should ask ourselves whether we're making an ethical decision by using these companies' products or by working there. Uh, I think when it comes to Facebook, um, the best choice for making an ethical decision would be like... To not work there. <laughs> for an internship. But they... Dude, I heard they pay really nice. Like, their salaries are stupendous. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's tough, right? Like, it would be nice to have the luxury of getting to pick and choose where we work, but it's so cutthroat trying to get internships that you're, you'll pretty much just take whatever you can get yeah because like we were talking off like off audio as well was that it's the big five like if the, if the big five offer you an internship no matter how like if your views don't align with their ethical uh or their approaches to how they deal business you still have to take it because at the end of the day that experience even an internship is worth so much to a startup that is looking for experienced people. Yeah, and I guess in a way we're kind of lucky in Canada that a lot of the jobs we're looking at aren't for these huge tech conglomerates. Like at least our companies are marginally ethical or at least haven't they don't really have the opportunity to be unethical because of what they do. Like I'm seeing jobs for a lot of Shopify, of course, but also Intuit, who does QuickBooks and TurboTax. Like, it's pretty hard to be unethical with, with that kind of, like, small in the tech world, big in Canada, that kind of business doesn't necessarily have the opportunity to take advantage of these kind of unethical practices that we're seeing in the big tech companies in the States. But people around our age who go to school in the US, they will be likely applying to these big tech companies. And so the question then becomes, how do we as interns and as future junior software developers, how do we behave ethically at these companies? Right. There's actually a lot of, uh, I to, to touch on the social dilemma, that, that movie that was released on Netflix, there was actually a, a bunch of groups being formed at at these at these companies like Google. Like they they would have like I can't remember what the name of the group was, but it was one of the founders of the group was was talking uh, like was getting asked questions, and it was just very nice to see how there's there there's people no matter how much money you're being offered, no matter how much uh, they're willing to give you f to be quiet. There's people who still stick to what they believe in and what they think is right. And so that's what's nice to see at these companies, how it's not, not everybody at the company is the same. Not everybody is only in it for money and not everybody is only in it for, for power, so. Yeah, I'm pretty sure uh, the main guy in The Social Dilemma, Tristan Harris, it all kind of started with him sending an open email to a lot of his colleagues at Google. And so it was just kind of like a call to change, to recognize ethics in their practices at Google. And what ended up happening is that everyone got real jazzed about this letter and then nothing actually really came of it. And so we have to avoid the trap of these movements just becoming PR stunts that don't actually really do anything. And we have to think about actionable change. Like what would it actually look like if Instagram's algorithm behaved in a more ethical manner? Uh, I think I think Instagram like Instagram was was or Facebook as a company um, was targeted a lot back in, when was it, was it 2017, 2018, when Zuckerberg was, well, Zuckerberg's always talking to Congress, but, but it was, <laughs> it was after that, I think, when they, they got rid of the like button, or not the like button, displaying the likes, right? 
Right, on Instagram. And I think that was more of like a mental health decision than uh, a change to monetization. Well, right, but but that has to that has to go towards like the the the, the whole reason why the likes were displayed was because people people get like a like a dopamine effect from from seeing oh look at my likes going up and so it's definitely has to deal with uh, with ethical issues in that sense because the more people that that have that dopamine effect the more users you have so i think that that does relate heavily yeah i remember when they came out with that i thought it was kind of silly just taking away the the like count but now that it's gone i find i i don't miss it at all like whereas before I might have opened up Instagram to check how many likes I get. I pretty much never do that now because that number is just like totally irrelevant. But I, I think <laughs> to, to to talk about likes and and um, and views and all of that, I think I think TikTok has a big problem with when it comes to like these views because you have you have the the views listing of like one billion views and then one other video has like one thousand views and how does that do for a person's mental health? Like, how, do, how does that how does that work? Well, with TikTok, I think there's fewer people who are trying to reach like the famous echelon. The number of people trying to succeed on TikTok and failing is significantly less than it would be on like Instagram because they've created this perfect system for generating fame. And they've they've really devalued what it means to be famous because it's all just a like and a view count. And they're constantly getting those through the kind of the scrolling nature of the app. So fame on TikTok is really cheap, but it's still valued the same in society. And so you have this completely saturated market for fame and people are still reaping the rewards from it as if it were still valued the same amount. Yeah, and I think when it comes to like TikTok, Facebook, like especially when it, or even Netflix, I think all of them, like Amazon as well, like their their search algorithms work in such a way where it shows you the content you want to see, right? Or they, they now with TikTok's even like what the reason why TikTok you get so much views and some videos doesn't get so much views is mainly because how the algorithm is based on where the content needs to be shifted, you know? Because attention is key, I think, when it comes to those apps. And the main focus is how can like the question they always ask themselves is how can we hold user's attention for how long right right and kind of the traditional way of doing that is developing a model of your user and predicting their behavior based on that model and the model gets better over time as the person interacts with the app but i think with tiktok they're doing something a bit different because there's been a ton of stuff in the news about tiktok's algorithm prioritizing young white slim attractive uh wealthy people and so they've set up this archetype, they've defined it. This is what it means to be successful on TikTok. And with such a successful app, people start to think that this is what success looks like. This is what fame ought to look like. And so they're actively changing what it is we want to watch. They're encouraging us to watch the young, slim, rich, white person. And to me, that's even more despicable than targeted advertisement. They're actually changing how we think, or at least they're trying to. I think even if you think about it for a second, like how how people make money on the internet, right? And how like these like yeah, I get like these influ like we can brand them as influencers, right? And it's and it's actually proven that their ability to drive sales, whether it be advertising, doing their own merch drops, whatever, it's absurd. Like we haven't seen that in the marketing industry in, in years, right? 
like we all know advertisements suck like who wants to watch for example when you when you're watching a tv show you just go right to your phone whenever an ad comes up right that the whole so the landscape of the marketing needs to be changing these influencers on these apps is what's going to drive that change yeah well i think kind of the concept of an ad has changed you guys remember commercial breaks right you're watching cartoons as a kid here's the commercial section all the ads are here the rest of it's your show but what we're seeing is even more subliminal it's it's saturation it's not really advertising you know maybe you're waiting for your youtube video to start and there's a five second ad at the start or you can skip it after five seconds you're not really watching the ad you're waiting for your video and waiting for the ad to be over it's it's funny that we're talking about advertising right now like like in, in saturation of advertising because i would like back then when i was a kid i would watch a movie and i would think wow that's so cool like all of these movies and like what i didn't even pay attention to the background details but re-watching the movies now i'm noticing like so many just brand placements and like oh let me just say this company's name in this movie and you don't even notice it like it's just so subliminal right well subliminal advertising has been a thing for a while but they've almost created this perfect machine for it where the ads are just outside of your conscious sight. They're scrolling by, they're at the start of the video that you want to watch, and so they're they're subconsciously ingrained. It's it's almost like you actively avoid them and in that way they're so much better at doing what they do. And I really hope we see a shift away from that style of advertisement. I mean, the Super Bowl is next weekend, and I think that's like a day that we get to celebrate traditional advertisements. I, I, I love it because I just watch the movie trailers, to be honest with you. <laughs> right, yeah, I'm also a big fan of the Super Bowl movie trailers. Anyways, we've talked a lot about ethics today. It's something we're going to talk a lot about this season in general. But moving on, the next thing I'd like to talk about is Earth 2, okay? It's this online platform for buying and selling virtual real estate on a virtual version of earth so like all the places that are on earth are in the game and you can buy property wherever and the idea is that you want to buy property that's going to increase in value and apparently there are people who are actually making money doing this can, can i ask you if we're going to go to the moon <laughs> you might just go to the moon if you can pick the right piece of property so I don't understand. How does it work? Well, they divide up the world into little grid squares and they set an initial price. I'm not too sure how they generate that number, but you, you buy a grid square and then your square can increase in value as the properties around it are being bought and sold at higher amounts. <laughs> and so, I mean, you just, you just invest, you, you pay with real money and you just wait. Oh, so for it's the, real money. Yeah. Yeah. It's actual real currency that you're putting into it. And I mean, I actually, I really like this idea, even though it's a little kind of weird and quirky, but uh, I tried it out myself and uh, I couldn't like I don't it. Uh, it wouldn't let me use my Toronto zip code when I tried to set up an account. And so I couldn't add any money. I couldn't buy any land. And there were like a slew of other issues with the website. It all seemed kind of like a little bit sketchy. So I'm not too sure. Maybe enter at your own risk. Anyone listening? And I mean, it might just be a case of bad implementation, like there were pages you couldn't scroll on to access fields you had to enter to sign up. And it was just, there were a bunch of small errors that made me kind of question the site's legitimacy. But I am still like excited about it. It would be really cool if they got their stuff together and made a, a better 
front end for their application, it became like a legitimate investing site. I'm pretty confused on it though. Like, I just don't understand where the value is. Well, I mean, it's essentially the same as the real world. There is no right. inherent value to it. It's it's all about the amount of money you can make by buying a plot of land. That's why certain <laughs> tiles are priced the way they are. Yeah, but if you invest in Apple, like you know, like I'm investing in in a product. I'm investing in a company. You know, like there's something tangible about that. Sure, and I mean, in most cases, the success of a company's stock is tied to the success of that company, but that isn't necessarily always the case. I mean, just look at uh, look at GameStop, um, and I don't know what the next stock they're pushing AMC, is, AMC. Nokia. Right. Yeah, and so there's a ton of investors that don't invest based on value, and that's exactly who you see on this uh, Earth, too. I don't know. So, but... I mean, like, the fact that it's real estate isn't really important. It's the idea that you have this digital thing that's only value is what other people are willing to pay for it. And, I mean, that isn't so different from the real world, like all assets, basically. Right, but that's that's the exact opposite of what like a legitimate trader would do, right? When it comes to trading the stocks. Yeah, I guess the that's like a cur like that's that scheme which you're talking is is like a pump and dump scheme, right? Like where a bunch of people buy into a property, it raises the value and then they just dump the stock, like they sell it, right? Well, I mean, there might be people that are thinking long term. Like there could be someone that goes around right now buying a bunch of land at $14 a grid square right. thinking Earth 2 is going to last forever. I mean, that that might happen. I'm not sure if anyone's actually doing that. That's pretty cool, but I guess like I can't. Is it actually popular? Is what I'm. I guess what I'm trying to say. Like, do a lot of people buy this? Will it gain any traction? Yeah, it is actually pretty popular. You can go on to like the marketplace and just see endless listings for, for <laughs> wow. properties. So yeah, That's I mean, so I encourage anyone listening to go and uh, <laughs> check it out for yourself and see what you think of it. And uh, tell me if you had the same problems that I did. Um, like you go on there and it's sketchy. Like it's a sketchy site, but the bugs might be a Safari thing. I tried it on Chrome. It didn't really work as well either. Watch, watch all of them have their bank bank accounts like quite cleaned. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Kidding. It shouldn't happen like that. I don't think it's a scam. Yeah, I mean, I'm willing to bet there's going to be some scandal that's going to come up from this. Just looking at the website and Thanks. it just seems too good to be true. Honestly, it's not too bad. Um, really? What's what's the link? It, it, it The UI is very Earth clean. 2.0? Uh, yeah, just search earth2.io and that should bring it up. Yeah, oh, I think, God. I don't know. This plot of land is pretty cheap. It could go up. We're, we're going to give this traction. This is going to get all the views. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, they actually want to make it so you can develop on Are these plots of land. Like, you can build virtual. houses and, and apartment buildings and things. They say that's that's just a few... Like design iterations yeah, away. Yeah, yeah. This reminds me of the game called Second Life. If you guys have ever heard of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard of that through The Office when Dwight <laughs> plays Second Life. <laughs> that that game, that game. I don't know. I, I don't know. Like it's an actual game, and it's it's just fascinating to me. Like how how pretty soon we're gonna have that same thing happening, but a thousand times more advanced than than what it was. Especially with VR happening and and AR, and it's it's like an investing in plot of land and then building virtual buildings for real money. It's it's 
Well, here's it's the thing so is that like, if you're going to make like a simulation, why would you base it on investing? Like, why would there still be the concept of money in this simulation? Like you could have anything you could build like like a perfect utopia. Yeah. And I mean, <clears throat> no, I like, see that. yeah, like the whole real estate thing is fine. But if you're going to build a simulation, why would you make it about investing and gaining a bunch of money fair enough you could have anything right because like they've they've kind of made the decision that this is going to be like an investing app you're going to buy and sell land and eventually you're going to be able to buy and sell things but like a simulation where the whole point is just to invest and and make money like could we really not dream a little bigger for this like you could make it so you could actually do really cool stuff in it and you could make this simulation become a phenomenon but just i don't know the decision to make it about real estate just seems kind of disappointing to me but i mean at the end of the day i guess earth 2 as a company needs to make money they probably don't see this becoming a huge in-depth simulation world so i mean they're probably just aiming for huge growth making a few people a lot of money very quickly and then it's all going to collapse uh, yeah i think it's just going to be like anything anything else that we're seeing today with gamestop it's just going to be one one big or one big pump and dump and then that's it <laughs> i mean i think and i i'm happy we brought up the topic of gamestop but i think like i think the biggest thing with gamestop is exposing how much corruption there is when it comes to a simple stock like a, st a stock market you know and i don't mean to say it's simple but you know when people think of stock market they definitely don't think of um these schemes which are happening well well i i think i think over the past year few years especially with with movies such as wolf of wall street and like the big short i think the exposure of the stock market has definitely been out there and even aside from these movies that, that have released i, I like pe people People know that, that Wall Street has its problems, and I'm not saying that every investor on Wall Street is corrupt. There are a few who who know, understand, like the the point of view that that retail like I'm gonna bring up retail investors where they're coming from. But I, I think um, I think Wall Street isn't as secret as they thought they were. I actually think you can trace this whole GameStop thing back to the Wolf of Wall Street because that movie really created its own breed of like young investor type bro mm -hmm. and that's a lot of what you see on wall street bets right now and i mean it really makes sense that they chose gamestop not only to screw over the wall street guys but also there's that kind of nostalgia aspect where a lot of that demographic are maybe the gamer type or at least were young and actively playing video games when gamestop was a huge retail store so i mean you could look to the same nostalgia aspect when it comes to to like blackberry for instance if they're going to push that stock where i never owned blackberry i don't know if you guys have but for a lot of canadians and a lot of people all over the world blackberry is kind of that nostalgic like 2000s businessman look and i think blackberry was really canada's first unicorn well, I mean, besides companies that were around before that kind of term became a thing, but the tech startup to billion-dollar valuated company, I think BlackBerry was the first. Um, yeah, no, it, it was it BlackBerry. Could have been the first. 
I'm not, I can't, yeah, I can't really speak on that because I'm not too sure, but I would assume it, it would be. BlackBerry is definitely up there as a possibility. I know the University of Waterloo is still using BlackBerry as like an advertisement thing. Like they're very big on the whole three unicorns were started by people at University of Waterloo. And like when they came to my school in grade 12 to try to get us to, to go to Waterloo or apply at least, um, that was one of their main selling points was that these three unicorns, one of them being BlackBerry. And now it's just like pretty irrelevant to see us at Waterloo. Like it well, doesn't really matter. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, well, I mean, you can't deny that, that BlackBerry had like, like big success when they, when they, when they launched, like that it was, a, I don't know. It's, a, I wouldn't say it was necessary. Maybe at the time it was a little bit of a game changer, but I would say now that they're, they're not i don't see anything as innovative as 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 what they used to bring out like apple's already taken over everything and android's everywhere but north america well there were actually talks kind of recently about blackberry coming out with a smartphone that had a built-in keyboard mm -hmm. and i actually think that's a pretty smart business move because there is an entire generation of boomers who cannot type on touch screens like they just can't <laughs> and so there's there's certainly a market for a built-in keyboard on a phone i i think not, not even so much as for the boomers but more so as a nostalgic piece of technology i think a lot of people would be interested in seeing like what it's like to own a, a piece of technology with a, a hardboard keyboard or a hard like a like an actual keyboard on the phone again yeah right that's that's definitely true as well i think like especially the the kids growing up right now they have no idea what it's like to to, to own a phone even hell okay the first phone i've i i owned was was a was a touch screen but i used to always use my mom's phone and that was a that was a hard like blackberry keyboard and it was like it's kind of nostalgic but one thing that i hope doesn't get like nostalgized is the belt case oh. for, for the blackberry phone you used to always see the businessmen with their little hard case attached to their belt and i think that looks just so stupid and i'm praying that doesn't come sure, back sure. Sure. okay maybe not belt cases but i want to see earpieces bringing brought back I, I can no. definitely get behind that. I like the earpiece look, but I mean, that's that's kind of what AirPods do now. Yeah, I was just thinking, but like earpieces, earpieces, you walk by somebody who's wearing one and you know they're like... They're the, making moves. The top yeah. of their, they're making moves. <laughs> they're, they're calling, they're, they're calling, uh, they're buying calls on, on GameStop. I think, I think the... <laughs> I think the Matrix... Matri matrix that, that movie i think it really didn't they didn't they have those um earpieces like there were thick blocks in their ear or was it not that, that, that yeah something? i remember like like the agents in that movie they'd have the little clear curly wire going from the ear down the back of their suit that like yeah, every yeah, yeah. secret agent in like uh, a spy movie would have <laughs> Like I would definitely get one of those just <laughs> to like does. take calls on and look like a uh, like yeah a that would be agent. pretty cool. Anyways, uh, I'm pretty sure that's all we had to talk about today. Um, is there anything you guys would uh, would like to say? Um, I just wanted to take the time to just say thank you for 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 listening to our first ever episode of the room 2250 season four this is a new experience for for all three of us and, and we're really looking forward to what's to come and i i can promise you guys that we will be updating you with everything relating to well okay i can't say everything but 
a lot of this stuff in, in in the news about big tech and the ethics of tech and just just how to how to stay sane and um be aware of everything like throughout these times especially with covid changing the way we do things but um yeah yeah i think uh we plan on trying to keep you guys informed about tech stuff over the next couple months next week or rather next episode it might be next week but but we don't really know yet um we're going to talk about probably more gamestop stuff some more short squeezes hopefully we see more by the time the next episode comes out we'll have a bit more to talk about yeah i i think i think next episode we should definitely touch on like if if everything blows over we should give a recap for for the for the average listener or for for the average like person who who's not really interested in stocks but are interested in in what's going on just to give a recap of what happened I think that would be an interesting topic, but yeah, for sure. Um, in the meantime, go ahead and check out the Discord server that's going to be in our bio on Spotify and iTunes and wherever you're streaming this. Yep. I have a feeling it's going to be mostly U of T CS kids in there, but we're really open to anyone. Um, until next time, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll see you later.